for me, family, we are back again. I know y'all going to kill me. Y'all going to be like, listen, Wayne, you need to keep it going. Keep it consistent. I am. Shit. Get off me. Get off my back. Um, I got a lot of stuff going on, but I have not forgotten about you guys. Like, I do have, again, some really dope women that I know that I know. I want them to share their story with you because I just know it would just be phenomenal for you guys to hear their stories and be so encouraged by their stories. And so today is super special because how long it's been? It's been a few years. Um, I know we kind of connected through a mutual friend, but um, since then, like you just been like super dynamic. I'm like, I love the way she rolls. Um, her journey is phenomenal. Just from me, just meeting you these la last few years and things, but guys, welcome Dr. <clears throat> Dr. Crystal Iris. <laughs> Okay, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, girl. I, I was looking you up on Instagram, and I'm like, Crystal, Crystal. And I'm like, oh, my bad, my bad. Dr. Crystal. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yes, girl, I worked hard. I worked hard on that. <laughs> that right there, we'll get into that right there, because I already know that is a very, if people don't know, getting your PhD is a very long, stressful process. Um, but be on the stress. person up. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You have to be a person of perseverance and strength. And like, yeah, it ain't for everybody. It is not for the week. So um, welcome to the show, girl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Super excited to share your journey with everyone. Um, so diving right in, I know that you are an um, an advocate of breaking your own barriers. So just tell me a little bit about what were some barriers you had to break as a child? Ooh, some barriers that I had to break as a child um, was a lot of perfectionism. Mm. And I felt like I had to uphold an image, like I'm the firstborn child. Um, and my parents have been trying for a long time to have me. They have been married six years. And within that six years, they had... I believe four miscarriages and then I finally came. And um, so I think knowing that story and, uh, you know, being the first child, there was just a lot of um, expectation. I felt there was a lot of expectation for me to be great. They put their all into me mm -hmm. and I really wanted to make sure that I represented them well. Um, after high school and probably towards the end of high school, you know, when you start kind of feeling yourself a little bit, going away to college and uh, you start to experience life a little bit differently and you realize that uh, life ain't always sweet. And so I had to learn how to um, be true to who I was. Even before that moment, you said that there was this level of expectation. Now, was that how was that shown through your parents and or was that something that you mentally just put on yourself like were your parents like you gotta you gotta be this like hardcore like on your back about being you know the best that you can be like that whole like black excellence thing or how did how was that you, you know, know what I, mean? I think it was uh, so perception is everything right and um one thing that I've learned about <laughs> about language is that when the intention is put out there, somebody can perceive something very differently. Mm -hmm. And so I think where, yes, my parents encouraged me. They always wanted me to be great. Yeah. If I had an A, they were rewarding it. If yeah. I did something that wasn't done in best practice, you know, or it 
kind of disappointed them. I hated for them to feel disappointed or look disappointed or I would be put on punishment. I wanted them to be happy um, and proud of me all the time. And so because of those rewards and then the consequences for certain things, I just perceived it. I kind of took that on later in life. I didn't, I had to come to that realization later in life that it was really me that came to that, that I, I was the one that was putting that pressure on myself. It had nothing to do with my parents because mm-hmm. whether good or bad, the evidence is there that they were still going to love me, still going to support me no matter yeah. what. But and I ask you that because that like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. no, I ask you that because my daughter is like, she's this like perfectionist person. And I'm like, I remember used to being like that, but I had issues with like my parents growing up. So like, I was constantly just like judging them, but <laughs> like now I'm like girl I don't even care as long as you're trying hard cool you know I'm like I don't even put this pressure on you child so I'm like I know it's her putting this pressure on herself so that's why I was like oh that's interesting you said that because I mean she has her whole you know life laid out um to mm-hmm. the T and I'm like girl you don't even have to you you in eighth grade you don't need to know that you're going to get a PhD and be you know a professor someday like yeah yeah chill it'll change <laughs> and it'll right. change. I think you just you know, just early on, there's a lot of um, programming that goes on. Like, mm-hmm. even if you take your the parents out of this the equation, in society, there's still like a pressure to be great. There's like a mm-hmm. underlying competitive energy in the world <laughs> that just makes you feel like, in order for me to be the best as an adult, I have to do this work now as a child. Mm-hmm. And so, I think a lot of teens and young people experience those things where they have to be perfect or there's a consequence yeah whole mental construct going on like making yeah. forcing them to believe that was there anything that you really like needed from your parents growing up to to help alter that even at even as you were growing into this woman of worth and confidence that's a really good question girl you know what um Immediately, the, the the thought that comes to mind is if I needed something from my parents, it was probably to reward, to reward um, even when there were failures or to just make it. I, I heard someone um, probably a few years ago, she was talking about her dad and she said that she absolutely loved her dad because he celebrated whenever she would fail at something. So if she would try out for like the basketball mm-hmm. team and didn't make it, like he celebrated it as if she did make it. And that helped her to realize like, oh, I still did good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't like such a disappointment whenever she would fail. It's like, okay, let's let's keep going. Let's keep trying. That's good. Yeah. It's good you fail. you know? That's a okay. part of life. And yeah. I think as a child, it, it changed as I became a teen, but as a child, I think there was just this covering or like this shield of protection Mm-hmm. From, uh, from like real life like, mm. situations, you know? Yeah, that sheltering can be staggering. Yeah. And now that I'm a parent <laughs> now, you're like, my, my mom wasn't sheltered. She was just hard. I mean, she was sheltered. Let me, let me take that back. But I understand it way more now as an adult. And then even as I became a parent, it was like, yo, you guys are sheltering your kids so much. I can see how this is going to go bad years down the line (laughs) because, you know, this real, this is real world out here, you know, and they're going to get slapped in the face. 
What was your confidence and worth and value like going into womanhood? You know what? Going into womanhood, I feel like I had a lot of confidence. Um, the only place where I, the only space where I feel like I may have struggled, and that's been like the majority of my life, is around weight and what I look like um, amongst peers. I always felt like I was pretty. Um and that I look good, I always knew that I was smart. But when you look in the mirror at yourself and you compare, like, you know, especially like around adolescent time when people get in boobs, I always had boobs, but I never had the hips, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we're gonna peers, find something. Like we're gonna find yeah. something like damn. Right. They trying to they starting to get the hips and the butt, and I never got the hips or the butt, girl, but I got the boobs. So <laughs> so um I I can't recall being um being very shy as a child. I mean, well, let me take that back. I was shy as a child, but I feel like I had a lot of confidence at the same time. I don't and what I mean by that is um I know I'm smart, I know I'm pretty, but I don't have to be in the forefront to prove who I am. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um that's how it was. As long but as I got someone challenged me. Someone challenged me cuz I'm like I am such a like behind the scenes person. Like I don't like to be on the forefront of anything because like you said, you in my eyes, I'm like, I, I'm okay with just being humble and, you know, just kind of, you know, whatever. Cool, the rewards are there, but that's not what I'm doing it for type of thing. But then she says, you know, that is still a self-worth issue, right? Like, because you are worthy to be praised. And I had to sit there and think about that. Like, damn. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm like, no, no, I'm just being humble. Like, I just, you know, I'm okay with everybody else getting the light. She's like, no, you are worthy to be praised. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that set with me so heavy. And I think it ended up just kind of being uh, a deep rooted issue within me, even though, like you said, like I had all these other things going for me, you know, I was in sports, I was popular, blah, blah, blah. But deep down, I didn't see myself as worthy in a sense you know like always finding something you know what I'm saying but I thought that was just so deep and I was like okay um, yeah I, I had, had a similar experience um as I got older and started working in business I had a mentor that was like um I was like I just like being behind the scenes I want everybody else to you know do what they do and let me be behind the scenes and she yeah. was like she was like if you are the light in this entire situation where how does the light shine where it needs to shine if you're always behind the scene? Where's the light supposed to be? I was like, well, you usually see the lights in the front. <laughs> the, uh, the lights shine from the front. And she was like, absolutely. So why would you be behind the scenes? Man. I was like, okay. I was like, where was you at 20 years ago with that shit? Like, girl. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, I mean, okay, so, and I get you, because I'm, like, right on, like, I'm right with you with that. Like, so you are this beautiful person, not really realizing yourself, you're just, like, um, have your struggles here and there. So as you go into womanhood, um, and I'm talking about, like, those early 20s, getting into college, did things get better as far as, like, worth, value, and confidence? Or did you feel like, okay, here are some additional added layers of, like, bullshit that I got to go through? Going into college was a little bit of a struggle because at that time I had a boyfriend and I was like so in love with him. I thought I was going to go to an HBCU, 
for mm-hmm. school, you know, be down south somewhere, getting it cracking. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but my boyfriend at the time was like, you know, that'll be too far. And mm-hmm. girl, we really thought we was going to be married and all types of stuff. So I was like, okay, I won't go that far. I'll go three hours away. Yeah. Um, So I did pretty decent my freshman year of college. There was that thing where, you know, the guy don't really know what you're doing. Uh, There was a little bit of control concerns and things like that. And mm-hmm. I guess when it came to my parents, I was kind of feeling myself a little bit because they were seeing that there was some issues in control. Like this could be a dating violence type situation or a little bit of abuse. And when they were trying to tell me things, I was just like, "Mm, you don't know what you're talking about. We're in love. (laughs) And you say controlling, like what controlling, what do you mean by like controlling, like controlling behavior? Didn't want me. Okay. So, so one of the things didn't want me to go away to school. If he had it his way, I would have been like at a community college. Um, he, he, his parents did not have the same values that my parents had um they I I would say they valued education but where my parents would be like hey let's fill out this FAFSA let's get this thing rolling I don't care whatever they need we're going to give it to them and his parents were like I don't mind you going to college but you're going to have to figure it out on your own like you're not using any of my information so there was um there was just that difference in parenting styles and how we ended up coming together, the way that he believed certain things and the way that I believe certain things. Yeah. Um, it was clashing and conflicting according to like my parents. They were like, you're starting to turn into somebody that we don't know and we didn't raise you like this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we're so in love. <laughs> but anyways, he wanted us to like, after high school, he wanted to like move into an apartment together and get married. And I was like, at 18, hell no like my dream had been to go away to college you know pledge into a sorority be stepping on the yard you know I had all these big goals and dreams I knew I was going to be a doctor and like those had been dreams since I was a little kid you know because my my parents were very big into education they I was set up with mentors summer camp all types of stuff to prepare me for this now college experience and beyond. So mm-hmm. although I really, really loved him, he that was one thing that he was not about to mess up for me. So yeah. the control came from, um, you know, if I was the manipulation, if I wanted to hang out with my friends, then it was like, um, oh, you, you're picking them over me type thing. Uh, he wanted mm-hmm. me to dress like him. He would do pop-up visits at my school. It was just like a few different things that I just thought was in in honor of love. Like, but in mm-hmm. retrospect, it, mm-hmm. it just wasn't. Mm-mm. It started to be the... very unhealthy. Okay. What was it like navigating relationships early on with the state of your words and confidence during that period? Did you feel like you had a voice? I feel like during that time, it was like I was young coming into having my own voice, then I jump into this relationship, but I still wasn't sure about voicing what I liked, what I didn't like, what I wanted, what I didn't want, you know, so it was just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna rock with this, even though intuitively, I'm like, I don't know if I really like this, right, and so 
it, it really affected me strengthening my voice as a woman. Did you have some of those issues? Yes, for sure. This woman really trying to fit, find out who you are and still discovering ourselves. And then we jump into these relationships early. And so how was that journey for you? Okay, so that was also a very um, interesting journey because my parents had been married for ever at that time, probably 20-ish years or so oh my um, at that time. So that's all I knew. Mm. And um, I, I saw how my mom and my dad interacted with each other, how my mom like made hit my dad's plates, how my dad treated my mom, um, how they cared for each other, um, what happened when certain conflicts arose. Um, so I kind of was kind of molded into like being a wife early on. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that my man, right? What I thought was my, my man. man. <laughs> my man. <laughs> Back in the day, right? No, you're not going to talk to my man. So anyways, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that he was satisfied, that he was happy, yeah. um, and that he wouldn't be upset. So um, I did things to make sure that he was happy, even though it, I had to, I sacrificed my own happiness in the process. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of sacrificing. So uh, the manipulation and like the verbal control and like wondering where my money went and how much money I was making, how come I don't have this or can I get this? Like it was starting to pull away from me before, you know, instead of like adding to me, like the relationship was. Mm -hmm. And then what added to that was um, he has started to become a little bit more, he started to become more physical. So like, he would never like strike me, but he would do things like, uh, I'm pretty sure you probably felt this before where you like those, the two, ch the cheeks that you have, you kind of like grind your cheeks up against your teeth, like from the outside. And so he would like squeeze my mouth like that and it'll be, it'll be painful or he might pinch my thighs and things like that. Or this one time I had came home from school and was taking classes over the summer and my professor was in the parking lot. I had a final to attend. And I had something in my phone that he wanted to see. And I was like, I don't care if you look at my phone. And then I remembered it was something in there that he probably should not see because he, he do extra stuff, right? So I snatched, I gave him my phone, but I snatched it back. And when I snatched it back from him, he didn't like that. So he started like pinching me and things like that. And I'm trying to get, I'm like, look, I got a final, keep the phone. I don't care. See what you need to see. I'm trying to get out the car. He don't want me to get out the car. He starts snatching me back. I got my book bag going and he's like pulling my book bag. And so like, this is like when the one strap book bags are really popular. So whenever you pull that strap, it, uh, whenever you pull the handle on the book bag from the back, it, that hand, that strap like chokes you, right? And he yeah. kept doing it. And I'm like, ah, you know. Right. <laughs> and so my my professor at the time was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. He he responded over me. I was like, she good, you know, she good. And I was like, oh my God, like this is a serious situation. Yeah. So I go, I go to go into the building, I take my final. I go home afterwards. Um, I think my somebody had come and get me. When they came and got me from the house, um, I'm sorry, when I got back to the house, he had already been at my family's house and was telling them 
like a totally different story about what went down and how it went down. So mind you, I'm light skinned, right? So I got all the bruises up my arms at this point, mm-hmm. all the bruises up my thighs, and they just snapping pictures like, oh, hell no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, so that was like, you know what, this is, I can't do this anymore because now this is starting to escalate. Yeah. So we ended that that relationship there. Um, but because that was like my first love, we kind of like still kind of, you know, talked and stuff like that. To help me get over him, I kind of did this rebound thing and I started dating. So now I'm back at school on right. campus and I started dating this other guy, super sweet dude, perceived. <laughs> right. Super Ooh. sweet dude. Um he hung out with some of my friends and some people that I trusted. He was always like quiet. And it was just like this kind of mystery about him that was like, I think this dude kind of dope. Like he had like yeah. a, a yeah. little bit of hood swag, but he was really smart at the same time. So I was like, ooh, it's just something about this, but I love, you know. <laughs> that little mystery. Right. (laughs) Turns out, um, my our mutual friends had started coming to me saying that, hey, you know, he trying to come holler at you, like, what you want to do, blah blah. So then that started us talking, and then ending up in a relationship. Well, lo and behold, this relationship um was not healthy at all. Again, another controlling situation. Another yeah. um, manipulative situation, and you know when you on co- and you in college, like you kind, it's almost like in retrospect, it's like survival of the fittest, right? Like you yeah. gotta figure out ways to survive <laughs> and how to okay. live because you really don't know how you're gonna get your money unless you got good parents. See, yeah. I shouldn't say good parents, but parents who can afford to like make sure that you good while you're in school. Yeah, right. So I had those parents. My parents had a, a business and my dad was still working full time. So my family was good and they would send me money like what you need. Sure. Whatever. I don't care. Like, <laughs> just send me what you need in your account. Everything was fine. So like I was literally the person that kind of took care of people on campus, including my now new man. <laughs> because again, I go into like wife mode. I don't know how to necessarily date or have these right um healthy relationships yet because like I have seen my mom. I've modeled my mom and what she do. And so um he ended up being a person who was who put me in like really dangerous situations. Like he I found out that he was like in a gang, that he was selling drugs on campus. And at one point, like hid drugs in my dorm room. I was Damn. like, oh shit. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um you this whole, one night, uh, girl. You a whole mafia ass. queen up in this. Listen, didn't even know it, baby. Didn't even know. <laughs> didn't even know. And that's just like that thing where it's like two different lifestyles, right? Because I'm yeah. sheltered. I don't know shit about yes. nothing. Yeah. But he's yep. able to manipulate that because he do know about stuff. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, I just want to support my man and whatever he's doing. He's in school. Mm-hmm. He's a really good guy. And then he's like, nah, bitch. Um, let me... <laughs> you got some money let me hook you up like nobody's gonna look at you because you're perfect you know like so just that whole situation there was um a moment where I had 
I spent the night over his house. He lived in like a, you know how there's like off campus housing yeah, um, yeah. that you have roommates and stuff like that. You might rent out a home or whatever. So I spent the night over there at his place. And the next morning, the house get raided. Damn. So imagine, and it's early in the morning. So imagine being asleep, minding your own Z's. <laughs> and you just hear like this bang, bang, bang on the door and people trying to like bust in the door and open up the door and all types of stuff. Like I was so scared. I was like, I'm finna go to jail. I'm finna go to jail. I don't even know. I was like, look, I don't know shit. <laughs> they started searching through things. I'm like, oh my God. So like, but at the time I, I really, when I started to share my story, I do get upset at who I was at that time. Don't even though it was a part of my journey. Like I yeah that that was a part of my journey and a part of mm -hmm. my story and I am no longer that person yeah but yep. to know that my dumb ass <laughs> at the time still uh, stayed with him and still accepted being manipulated and accepted being yeah. abused yeah. it really makes me upset at myself what <laughs> advice would you give your your 20 year old self in that moment now like, what was something that you needed to hear during that time period, right? Because you were in a state of attracting these type of men and your mental was, you know, you young, right? We all young and naive and stuff. So, like, what is it that you would told yourself um, knowing what you know now as a grown woman? I would remind myself that if it don't feel right, it ain't right. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. that was something that my parents always taught me growing up um if it don't feel right mm. it ain't right and mm. if you see something say something and yep. so I was seeing things and I wouldn't say nothing because I again wanted to make sure that my man was fine yeah and that he was taken care of I didn't want him to get in trouble and things like that um and so that is something that I would remind myself of um to kind of just Go back to your roots, girl. <laughs> oh, okay. Go okay. back to the roots. Yeah. Go back to the, yeah. Go back to that mm -hmm. intuitive nature. Um, and I think that 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 guiding system is get is so thrown off during those times because we all, you know, we all in that that's my man. That's my man. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, dating was crazy with this individual. When did the assault end up happening and how did you get yourself out of it? The way that the assault happened, um, it, I always, my mind always goes like a million miles per hour. And it's crazy because no matter how much time goes by and no matter how much healing you do, there are certain experiences that yeah. are difficult to get back to. I don't mm -hmm. mind sharing it, but it's, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. difficult to get back, back there sometimes. So yeah. So this was a time where I had spent the night over at the house. We were pre-gaming. It was like, I don't know, homecoming or some like campus event. And I, we were pre-gaming over at the house with our mutual friends and things. I was a new drinker. I hadn't really drank and things like that. So I can't necessarily say that I was drugged or if I was just drunk. I'm not sure. That's the part mm. that's a little sketchy, but and I say that because I don't recall drinking a lot um, for me to have the type of behavior that I'm about to describe. Mm -hmm. So we drinking, we pre-gaming, and we go to this party. While we're at this party, I literally cannot stand up. I'm like, oh, goodness. Like, 
drunk, 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 like intoxicated. I could barely stand up. And I'm supposed to be, um, you know, like dancing at this point with uh, this group that I was a part of. And so I could not do my dance. So I went and sat in the corner and they were like, Chrissy, like, what's going on? Like, you usually don't like sit down. And it was like, are you okay? I was like, I just feel sick. I don't know what's going on. And now, of course, I wasn't even speaking uh, that clearly, but they were able to tell that I couldn't articulate either. So they like kind of carry me out and take me um, to get something to eat. I'm trying, I couldn't even hold like my burger and it's just falling. They like, what are you doing? Like you need to eat. And and I was like, I I was like, I can't. And I remember being slumped over and things like that. So naturally they took me to my boyfriend's house and they like, um, you know, she not feeling well. Do you want to let her lay down or whatever? So I remember falling down the stairs and I remember him like hitting me because at this point, like I'm vomiting and mm. he's like hitting me upside my head. And it was like in the garbage. So now my friends are like pissed off because he just hit me. Like, yeah. you did not just hit her. Like, like I'm going to beat your ass, you know, I remember yeah. that. And then after that, I remember nothing except waking up to him anally raping me. Mm. And that was something that he would always ask me. He would always ask me for like anal sex. I have no idea reason, no idea why, but that was like something that he wanted to like do with me. And I was like, I don't really get down like that. Yeah. Um, he would ask me for like oral sex. And I was like, I don't really get down like that. Like, that's not what I do. You know, that's when bust downs and stuff was like real popular. Yeah, so yeah. Like, yeah, I don't suck dick. So <laughs> I'm not wrong that. Yeah, yeah, you're talking to the wrong person. And so I will always deny those requests. And so this was a time where he took advantage of that. I was completely passed out and I woke up to him to gasping like for air because he was literally like anally raping me. Oh and my um God. yeah, so how did you get out of that? Like, how did you after the next day and just get out of that whole situation. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, that was my boyfriend, right? So I I laid there because I, I wasn't sure what to do. Even after, when he was done doing what he was doing, he clapped. He clapped. No. Like he applauded. Yes, he did. He applauded and was like, you did it. Like it was something to celebrate. And, um, oh my God. Yeah, give me a moment. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so he he acted like it was something to celebrate um and so the next morning I just put my clothes on get all my stuff and I just left um I didn't talk to him I went back to to my dorm and I just like stayed in my dorm for like weeks <laughs> and people were trying to like find my friends were trying to come find me they were calling me they did they sent wellness checks for me yeah. and then I started like calling my mom and everything and I was like mom you know I just need to talk to you <laughs> and yeah. I would never tell her exactly what was going on but she knew because I didn't call her as often yeah um yeah. And so I think we were going into uh, winter break 
And on the way, so she hit, they had come up to come pick me up. And yeah, I came back home. She was like, something's just not right. Something's not right. And then after winter break, um, we we're driving back up to school. And I said, Ma, I cannot stay here. <laughs> I was like, I can't stay here. Like, can we just get my stuff and leave? And she was like, yep. She didn't ask no questions. She was just like, yeah. So we went to campus, got my stuff, and we went back home. Yeah. So I didn't say anything for four years. Mm. I like I held on to it because of that. Um, <sighs> sometimes it just gotta come out. <laughs> yeah, no, for um, sure. Why? Because of like the image that I had to uphold. So I was mm-hmm. like really um I was very careful about that. I didn't want, I felt like because when you when you get raped, especially by somebody that you know, like somebody that you think cares about you or that mm-hmm. you care about, mm-hmm. you don't think that they're gonna do anything to hurt you. So there was a lot of questions going on in my mind, like, did that really happen? Is that considered rape? One, because we're together. Yeah. yeah. Two. Did I do something yeah. to cause this to happen? Because I w- I remember being drunk. I don't know if I was drugged or not. I remember, but I can definitely tell you that I had drank something. So mm-hmm. what, did I do something to deserve it? Does this mean that I'm a slut? Can people see this about me? How is this going to mm-hmm. impact me? And I knew that I was not the same after that. Yeah. It's just that that internal shame that we carry you know mm-hmm. when like yep. shit like that goes down shame it's like the first thing we want to do is like point at ourselves like what the fuck did I do wrong you know yeah. so yeah. Um, that's it's extremely heavy you know what I mean and it's it's crazy that you know it's so much of that coming out we see all these celebrities you know women finding their voice after so long to be like hey you know what I don't give a fuck no more I want to shout it to the rooftop you did this or whatever what was it that triggered you to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and speak up about this? Oh, that's like a lot of energy. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so now I'm home. My mom got me at home and she's like, she didn't pressure me to tell her what was going on or, you know, she just knew that something was off. And I was just like, covering it up saying like um I'm homesick she was like you got homesick your second year of school and I'm like yeah (laughs) because freshman year I was living my best life like they couldn't tell me nothing I was out Mm -hmm. here um but (laughs) my second year it's just like all hell done broke loose and Mm -hmm. she don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on I'm like I'm just homesick I I can't I can't stay there I need to be at home I need to be with my family I need to go back to the roots so um, so my mom, she refused to like, let me stay in like this depressed state. So she would have me to come to work with her and I would just, you know, help her with the kids and doing like little administrative work. She was like, well, Crystal, are you interested in going to school? And my goal, again, I always had this dream that I was going to be a doctor. So by, I don't care. Nobody is going to ruin this for me. <laughs> I don't care what's going on. So yes, put me back in school. So we got back to school and I was, I went back to the community college and um, I didn't take a whole lot of classes just like to kind of get me into the groove of things. Yeah. So I took like a CNA license and stuff like that. Um, 
so that happens and my mom is like she'll give me like these different empowerment books and everything like that and I had read one of these books and the woman was talking about purpose and empowerment and it was like 10 bad reasons for a healthy relationship or 10 good reasons to end an unhealthy relationship or something like that yeah yeah I have yeah. to find it but anyways in that book she was talking about purpose and her her thing with uh, relationships and all that type of stuff. So I have been reading these empowerment books and all of that. Maybe a week later, um, right, I took a nap in like the middle of the day and I was waiting for my sister to come home. But while I was taking my nap, I had like this vision and I say a vision, not a dream, because it was like a state where you're still very sensitive to what's going on around you. But clearly, this is like a divine intervention. Yeah. And in this vision, I was asking God, like, why did I have to go through the things that I went through? Like, why did I have to mm-hmm. go through this stuff? Like, it even, and I forgot to mention, but I have been molested as a, as a young child, too. And then so having this huge thing, you know, where it's even bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Like, what is this about? And yeah. so when I asked that question, it was like a car wash, uh, like filled with women. And women were coming to me one way where they looked like really hurt, disheveled, mm-hmm. and in pain. And when they came through this car wash, when they came to me, they were restored and renewed and revived. And they were helping other women to come up. So it really? like that purpose yes. that I had to, I had to lead, um, you know, women into mm-hmm. what their mm-hmm. purpose was and it has something to do with their story that's kind of how I got out of it um so and it was funny because as soon as I was like Lord what are you trying to tell me you know like I'm maybe I'm supposed to start something with women or whatever I don't really know Mm -hmm. it was just a whole bunch of girls and women so I wake up from this nap my sister runs in the house and she's like Crystal I was like what (laughs) mind you she's probably like 10 years old and she's like listen we need to start a girls group. I was like, we got a what? She was like, we need to start a girls group. She was like, there's a whole bunch of my friends that's out here at having sex, doing stupid stuff, and they should not be doing it. I don't know what's wrong with them, but you got to do something. And I was like, I got to do it. She said, yes, you got to do it. So that was like my immediate confirmation. <laughs> I was like, okay. We yeah. gotta do <laughs> Yes, and, and since then, like, you've done a number of organizations, starting platforms, writing books, you know, it's like this huge plethora of stuff surrounding this, um, and it's and it's clear that, like, this is your mission, it's a part of your story, and because I'm, like, I'm over here, like, getting chills because I'm just, like, this is the magical part of life when you realize that those past experiences needed to happen you know what i'm saying because it it was binded in your purpose right um and i know that there's a an abundance of women's lives that you touch and you know i've been on some of your um things where you women are telling their stories about you know how much they've connected with you and what you've done for them to show you know to help them find their own personal voices mm-hmm. so tell me a little about that journey about Yes, your sister's like, get off your ass, come help save these kids. 
but I know you're doing a number of things um, in regards to just breaking barriers, the boss at book, um, and even your girls group, I know that's still, you know, going on. So tell us like about that journey with that and how did it help you even strengthen your purpose, worth, and confidence even more as a, like a woman? So I, I ended up starting an organization called Hey Girl. At the time, like it was me and my cousin and my sister that would always be like, hey girl. Like we would always greet each other. Like it wasn't like, hey girl, it was hey girl. So we had created an organization with that name and it was Girls Under Reconstruction Accomplishing Life. And mm -hmm. we had all of my sister's friends and then some, even some boys wanted to join because our community really didn't have anything outside of extracurricular mm -hmm. activities. Mm -hmm. So this girls group, like so many people had like run to it. And I was like, okay. So mind you, at this time, I'm like 20. I don't really know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I have this nonprofit organization now and um, I want to do the work. So girls would just flood our mm -hmm. house and we would do like little workshops. I would teach them different things. We would have these conversations about like real life stuff. And remember, I was sheltered as a child. So a lot of the things that they were coming to me with, I did not um, realize that they could experience those things so young. So they had, they were yeah. experiencing like rape and sexual assault. They didn't know what dating violence was. I had to explain to them that if your boyfriend tries to put you in a locker, that means that this is unhealthy. Like they thought it was funny. No, it's not funny. That's a, that's abuse. No. And so oh, I had to teach them all of those things. We did different types of productions um, where we could kind of have a fun way of teaching them that this is something that that helps to create awareness around things that are important that at that time people were not necessarily discussing. So we talked. To, I talked to, to them about sex and safe sex and the things that they really needed to hear. And I was just a safe space for them. The organization did really well. We did so many different events. We had productions and things like that, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. That organization, of course, you have a nonprofit board. And we had did a photo shoot. And what I realized was that we had represented every like generation. We had, my sister was the, the teenager, you know, the younger person. And then there was me representing like my 20s. And then we had 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And the oldest was in their 70s. And when I looked at those pictures and looked at all of the women there, they all had a story and they all were going through something. Mm -hmm. So I thought my original thought process when I started Hey Girl was that let me help fix you so that you can be a great adult and you don't have to experience these things again. But mm -hmm. I did, I realized that reconstruction is always going to happen. Like these experiences have to happen in order to get you to a better version or higher version of yourself. And so then I started working with women because now my girls, mamas and the board members wanted something extra too. Okay. So okay. I was like, okay, well, what is this going to look like? And I had started going through like my own healing journey. I was like, okay, let me get into therapy. And I realized I needed therapy when my girls would talk about those serious issues. And I still wasn't open to sharing my story Ooh. about that. So they knew that I could somehow relate and connect. But I was at this time, I still wasn't saying nothing about this and what had yeah. happened to me. Yeah. And, yeah. um, 
I finally, it was just like that, that guilt, that thing that kind of eats you up. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to do this on the, on a Hey Girl blog. We had a, a blog and I just told my whole damn story from childhood all the way to like where I was at the time. And I was like, I was sexually assaulted. I talked about everything. Mm -hmm. And so many people came to me and was like, oh my God, you just told my story. Like you have no idea. It was through that blog that my family found out about what had taken place. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so where I had hit this um, and had in my own way kind of dealt with it, my family, this is like a first thing, a first time for them. And they like, wait, what the hell are you talking about? Right. We need to like, they was, so they looking up statue of limitations and we finna go beat his ass and I need him like find out where he at, you know? <laughs> so yeah. this is years later, years later and they, they ready to get out. And so, um, so that's when I started. Uh, so, so I started doing energy healing um and working through because if you know anything about energy healing um i use the form of reiki and reiki helps to shift energy circles energy circuits within the body so that you can heal it heals the future it heals the past and it also heals the present and um so i was focusing in on that past stuff we, that's a whole nother conversation yeah. but um so I had started doing this Reiki energy and stuff like that. And so I was like, hmm, now that I'm doing Reiki, I feel so empowered. I feel better. I'm in therapy. Mm -hmm. Things are going great. So everybody, you know, now the women want to do something. What is it that I can do? And I realized that um, there was something very powerful about being a woman and tapping into that femininity. And so where at the time, a lot of people were saying boss. I felt like that had a masculine tone. So I was like, mm, we're going to go with the bossette, you know? Yes, and yes. started calling me bossette. It was like this alter ego that would like, <laughs> come out of me and just mm -hmm. be like, bam, I'm here. What's up? Yep. So yep. <laughs> if I ever felt like I was like in my shell or that humbled feeling that I'm telling you that I, we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. If somebody said, uh-uh, boss said, get your, get it together. It was like, woo, like, a, <laughs> like, oh, I'm here. Like, it was, um, we're gonna put, hold on, let me put on my cape real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just some, it was just like this, like just God, you know, like just like that, that God that just comes and just makes shit happen. And so I was like, ooh, I didn't know I was that powerful. So then yes. I started the boss at academy where women can come at it coaching and consulting and i help women to build their own businesses using their purpose as a platform so now within the boss at academy i have now ex um, expanded that to something that i call break your own barriers which yeah. is still everything that i do but it's just adding in that focus of relationships so that we can start healing that inside i realized throughout my life and in talking to so many women and different girls that a lot of the trauma that we have is related to relationships, Absolutely. whether it is romantic, platonic, familiar, work, it doesn't matter. Like the way that you interpret and perceive information and experiences makes a difference in how you're going to show up in the world. Yep. And so yep. 
Break Your Own Barriers is identifying where those barriers are within your story and then creating a plan around it through coaching and energy healing and education and teaching, whatever resources you need to help you break through that. So if you think about the idea of a relationship, we have these relationships, they feel good, and then there might be a breakup. Well, the break is going to hurt, right? But I think a lot of times we stay in relationships or unhealthy situations, again, whether platonic, familiar, (laughs) romantic, uh, Mm -hmm. work environments, whatever. We have these relationships, even with the experiences that we have. The break is going to hurt no matter what it is. But if you can accept that, okay, in order for me to get to that upside of the breakup, I need to go through some hurdles. It's going to take some healing. It's going to take me to tap into my experiences. If you can just accept that part, that upside is going to be so beautiful. It's basically my story, my journey. So everything that we just talked about, those ups, highs, and lows, sometimes you got to tap in to get to where you are. That's what Break Your Own Barriers is about. So now- Real quick, I was going to say something about, you hit something that was right on the head in regards to just like the healing piece. I think people think that once uh, I go through something and I heal, as in it's done, it's finished. But in my mind, I just feel like healing is can be a consistent thing because you can be, continues to be triggered by it, but your, how you receive it and- in, um, how you receive it and how it affects you just becomes different, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're constantly in uh, in a state of like, not necessarily healing, but you're in a constant state of growth and expansion. And so if you are allowing what something that happened in your past to continuously trigger you to the point where you feel bad about it um, and you feel hurt and you feel shame and you feel all these this heaviness about it, then you haven't begun the healing process as opposed to when you think about it and it's just like, okay, I can freely talk about this because I've I've expanded so much further than I was before, right? And in, in, and even in those moments, like just now when you you took yourself back to those moments, you you felt triggered. Like you still felt, you know what I'm saying? It's, feel, it's there, it's part of my story, it's part of my journey. We need to normalize that because I think people think like, Oh, either they either stay in stay in that that emotional state of thinking about it consistently and it just it develops into depression, or they they grow from it and then they think that like, oh, um, I'm done with it, but usually they just ignore it and they never really address it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um, but when you do, right, when you get to a place of understanding of asking the why and 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 really get in tune with yourself and and God and say, hey, you know, help me to to get through this type of thing. Like, I think there's so much freedom um, and expansion on the other side of that, that women need to recognize. Like you said, like, it's going to hurt, right? And like, we think that pain is a bad thing, but it's like, it can be, it can be such a beautiful thing once you get on the other side of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, take Mm -hmm. yourself through that process and allow yourself to do the shadow work to say like, hey, I've, I'm, this was a dark moment in my life let me get some understanding behind it. Let me go to the deep root cause of it. Let me, under, you know what I'm saying? So that I can just move past it. And I don't understand why people just don't want to do the work besides the, the hurt part. Like, oh, I'm just so hurt by it. 
Yeah, or, people don't like people don't like feeling that it's it is uncomfortable. But if yeah. you can accept the fact that it is going to be uncomfortable, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you can kind of envision who you want to be on the other side of that, I think that's the motivation and the driving force. Yeah. Um, for me, that's definitely what it was, um, and that's across the board. It don't matter what it is. If I if I know that something is difficult, for example, it could be somebody like just afraid of like public speaking. They didn't put together this beautiful presentation and they know that if they do this presentation, it could land them like a good business investor or something. But mm-hmm. if you're too scared to get up there and just say, I'm going to feel uncomfortable, this is, it might hurt. They might say something that's going to suck, but what's going to be on the other side of that? Even if you don't get those investors, you might get some, somebody know your name. So the growth and the experience that you're going to get on the other side of it is what you need to be envisioning. And, um, there's like this little activity that I do to kind of help people to push through there is like sometimes fear is not necessarily about being afraid but you can kind of change that into being more excited about what's going to be on the other side of it so that you are driven in that direction absolutely and also I think it's important to have that support so like in BYOB it's not just me and another person like I do BYOB in a group because I believe sisterhood is everything Mm -hmm. and we're all Mm going to come and we're going to help support each other and so it's me and then I also have like therapists I have other spiritual coaches and things like that that work within the group out inside of like your accountability group the sisterhood group so that we're all doing this together because sometimes people think some people would rather go to a life coach instead of a therapist um thinking that they're going to get the same result and it's not like (laughs) life coaching you got to be ready for it sometimes Mm -hmm. therapy when you going into your story you're going to need some therapy and it's that's okay you know it don't mean that you're crazy it don't mean that you're set back it means that when we combine these two like you're going to get there. You're going to get to where you want to be. So I always say that. I feel like it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's a very holistic approach um, because I sometimes I, I don't think that therapy is all, always the answer, the solo answer. I right. think that you need, you know, what I'm saying you need a balance, you know, that mental and spiritual side to come together so that you can like really tap in, like really tap into um, some deeper, some deeper rooted stuff, um, but also have a sense of that like you talked about that divine feminine um energy that you have that god within you um that sometimes may not come out in therapy sessions right like you need to know that what your power is as a woman and the force that you are um just even as a you know as a spiritual being right and then being able to have an understanding of like okay this is some these are the other you know things going in my life that can help with the therapy but for me it was like once I combined both of those elements, like I just became immortal to the fact that like, there's nothing that anyone can say or do to me ever again. Right. Like, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going uh, to, tools. you know what I'm saying? If you do, like, even if you do go through something that's hurtful, it's yeah. like, okay, now I know what I need to do. Yeah, exactly. It, it's totally, it is totally different. Exactly. So for these women out here who, you know, struggle with their voice, shouldn't even to tell their story, right? Um, I know you said you had like a lot of just 
from, I see it too. I, I work with young kids all the time. And, and I, I literally just had a talk today with this young girl about, you know, she has diabetes and she's being casted out, right? Who, who struggle with their identity, um, their worth, their value, their confidence. What would you recommend the overall antidote to really becoming um, a true boss at for women who are out there listening? The willingness mm. to surrender to the process. Oh, shut up. Throw <laughs> so my house shoe at you, not to surrender. <laughs> Yo, and that's deep because people don't understand. Oh my gosh, there's so much freedom and expansion on the other side of surrender. Like mm-hmm. when you surrender to that process and have that, it ch- changes your perspective. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a whole new awakening that happens, right? That's a good one. Yeah, I would definitely say that. It's like you got to be willing to surrender to the process. Um, And I think that I think that's um, it's almost like a spiritual practice. Right. I feel like it is a spiritual practice to Mm -hmm. surrender to the process because now you're coming out of yourself and trusting that God is meeting you on this journey. Girl, you better shut up. Girl, <laughs> that I- everything from this day forward, from this moment forward. Come on, doctor. About, Come on, doctor. Is <laughs> about getting to this upside and who you're supposed to be. Girl. And um, and I think I needed that for myself on today too, <laughs> by the way. But um, <laughs> because sometimes we even when we say, Okay, I surrender, I want to do the work, let me do, I know what my purpose is, I'm starting to, you know, do my business, there's still gonna be some hurdles. It's always something, it's always yeah. something, and so yeah. it's a constant process of surrendering. Yeah. Be, instead yeah. of yeah. those challenges setting you back, you could look at the challenge and say, Okay, what do I need to learn from this? How can I overcome this? Who do I need in my corner to help me get there? And, mm-hmm. you know, have grace with yourself and the process so that you're not so frustrated in your head that you become more fleshy than spirit. Like, you have... Shut your ass up right now. Go to that damn house. Yeah. Yeah, I know that um, girl, the obstacle is the path. And I, you know, I preach that too. Mm-hmm. Like you, you hitting it right on the head and it's, man, it's, it's all about that perspective. Like change that shit. Like it, mm-hmm. man, people just don't understand because now, again, <laughs> that's why I tell you, I'm like, I even, I had, I made this, created this shirt that says like immortal as fuck because I just, mm-hmm. there's nothing now. Like now that I, when I go through my own obstacles and hurdles, I'm like, all right. You know, I'm not even looking at it as fuck the fuck the world. Everybody sucks, and you know, <laughs> you know, I'm looking like, all right, you know, what is it that I need to do to learn from this experience? And it's mm-hmm. it's it's brought me so much more peace around my life, and and it's it ignites more purpose in my life to know that, and um, and brings that balance and stuff. So it's it's a beautiful, beautiful process once you take ownership of that. Yeah. Wow. Doctor, doctor. (laughs) Iris. Wow. Where can, where can people find you on social media when, if they want to tap in to all the things that you have going on? I am, uh, I am Dr. Crystal Iris everywhere. So Instagram, I am Dr. Crystal Iris, uh, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-I-R-I-S. Um, 
and it is really I am <laughs> Crystal Iris. Yeah. I am yeah. Dr. Crystal Iris. Uh and that's on Facebook, Instagram. Uh that's everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super excited about you finishing your PhD, getting out here and just being a staple in your community. Um, I see, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in the burbs, but I definitely see, I see you, you know what I mean? Um, definitely feel you as a woman, um, and respect like just your journey and just love it. Even now, just learning more about your story. Um, you know, I was literally just like spirit, just give me chills. Like, yo, this person is so dynamic and, um, you're powerful, you're worthy. And, um, I love that your story is going to, drive so many other stories um and women are just gonna continue to blossom and it's just gonna be that domino effect of just impact and influence and love and and passion so thank you so much for you know again just sharing your story with us so that she thank before you, me you had me again. over here cleansing i'm like oh my <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know what I really think and it's not to jump back into the conversation uh because I know we're trying to close out but I think I really needed this conversation today because I needed to hear I needed Bossette to come out like this is this yeah. is Bossette work I needed yeah. to my flesh needed to hear Bossette speak yes because oh. we're always like reconstructing right and so I think yeah. I am in another part of my reconstruction journey and I needed Absolutely. that part yeah. So thank you. It was definitely divine. I'm like, girl, if we don't don't get on this dang podcast together, (laughs) I'm like, let me stalk her down real quick. Thanks for answering your call, girl, so that we can do our work too. Absolutely.